Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Kurt Ames. You guys glad to be here tonight? How many of you were here last week? Raise your hands. Hi. Okay, good. Yeah, last week, okay. There's, there's a lot of you that weren't here last week, so, you know, we have a, a clip. They kind of reduced the entire message down into about 25 seconds, so I'm going to just go ahead and show that to you right now. Guys, go ahead and roll that clip. You have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Friends, God never intended to be your religion. He's always intended on being your father. (laughs) Oh, those guys said that to me earlier this week and I just rolled laughing. It's so funny. But we talked about how we are all now children of God. We are all sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus Christ redeemed us from being slaves to sin. So if you missed that message, you can go back and watch it. But here's, we, we, we studied four Greek words that uh, mean redeem in, in the Greek language, okay? Which the New Testament was written in, in Greek. So we went back and here's basically, uh, in a nutshell, what we talked about. This is what the word redeem means in the New Testament. It starts with agarazo. Jesus actually entered into the marketplace for slaves. In Philippians 2, 7, it says that he humbled himself and became a slave. And then he ex agarazo us, he ransomed us, he came into that marketplace to get us out of the marketplace of slavery. Ex means out, out of slavery. And then lutrosis, he paid the full price so that we could be free, not so that we could be his slaves, but so that we could get returned back to our original state as sons and daughters of God. That's what Jesus Christ did. That is what redemption is all about, getting us back to our original state in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, say amen, please. Now, Galatians 5, we're gonna, we're gonna jump right in here. I absolutely love how Paul starts this chapter off. This is what he says, verse one. So Christ has truly set us free. It's true, friends. Christ has truly, truly, truly set you free from yourself and from the sin-miserable life that you used to live in. You have been set free, and some of you just needed to hear that tonight, and you can go home now. Christ has truly set you free. I start thinking, another translation actually says it this way, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. And I started thinking about that word freedom. Freedom, 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 I, I, and it reminds me of when I was playing football, actually, over in Scotland. Uh, I, I, I played for the Scottish Claymores in NFL Europe, and before every single game started, we'd be warming up, and they would play this clip. I got another clip that we're going to show you guys, and then we'll tie it in with the, with the message. Let's roll that uh, clip, fellas. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army... Why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh, the English are too many. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes. 
bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! in my top three, but every time that they would play that movie clip right before the game, it, you know, the stadium was always full of Scottish people, and the Scottish people would just erupt and stand up and just screw the English. They would say all sorts of crazy stuff, but it, it reminded me of that, and then I was talking with my wife, Lindsay, who was over uh, in Germany. Uh, she met me in Germany when we were in Frankfurt, actually, and so we played a team called the Frankfurt Galaxy, so I'm down on the field, and uh this has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I'm just going to share it with you guys because it's a good story. Uh, so I'm standing on the field and I'm warming up. And, and I've got my back to kind of like the, uh, the bowl of the stadium is behind me. And so I'm, I'm playing catch with one of the receivers down here. And he's throwing back. And then all of a sudden he says, Haynes, turn around, turn around. And I turned around and there was this guy butt naked jumping out of the stadium onto the field. Okay. <laughs> I asked my wife the other day, I said, you remember when that guy came across streaking? And so, Mike, this dude literally runs right by me, butt naked, and he's running as fast as he could onto the field. <laughs> the only reason I'm telling you this is because he was completely free. You know, he was, he was a free bird. And, and so he's running across the field. He's running in diagonals. And finally, these huge security guards come out, and they come running after him and smoke this dude on the field. He goes down, and the whole place just erupts in laughter. Oh, my gosh, it was one of the coolest. I don't remember anything else about the game. I remember that. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. It goes on to say this. Now, make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. My man was not a slave to anything. He was free. But listen, I don't know if you know, but we are in a fight. We are in a war. You guys know that, right? We're in a war, and uh, it's a war over your freedom. That's what the battle is over, and we face this battle every single day. First Timothy says this. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And then he writes him again in the second letter, and here's what he says about himself. He says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished 
the race, and I have kept the faith. I don't know about you, but I want to get to the end of this lifetime and be able to say exactly what Paul said. I did fight the good fight. I finished the race that God gave me to run, and I fought all the way there, tooth and nail, and I made it. And God is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Exactly. So we're in a fight whether we like it or not. And I know that the majority of us here know that. But the fight is over your freedom. Paul goes on in verse 13. He says this of of Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. How do we steer clear of abusing the grace of God or the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for us? We mentioned this a a couple uh, uh, weeks ago where we need to become people who receive both, both the grace of God but also the truth of God, and there's tension in that. If you were here, you remember. Grace says, I'll always love you no matter how bad you screw up, but truth says there's some things that you need to work on. There's tension in between grace and truth, and so we need to become people who receive both God's grace, but we also need to be people who are willing to receive his truth. Not only that, but as the body of Christ, we need to become people who give God's grace to others as well as God's truth. But if you were to err on one side or the other, which side do you wanna err on? Grace. All right, five people listen to that message. God bless you. Here we go. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Verse 16, so I say, and this is what we're gonna be talking about tonight, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. We're in a fight. By the way, this is a lifelong battle that none of us graduate from. And I don't know where you grew up or what what church you went to or what you've heard before, but here's the reality, is that when you said yes to following Jesus Christ and you got born again and all things were made new and old things passed away, listen to me, your sinful nature is still with you. Your sinful nature, that fallen part of you that wants to do wrong, that wants to do things that are opposite of what the Spirit desires for you to do, cannot be saved. It is incorrigible, meaning there's nothing you can do about it. It's always going to be there, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you're free now, but don't you dare go back to doing those things that your sinful nature wants to do. So this is a battle that we are in for the rest of our lives. It's between doing what our sinful nature wants us to do or doing what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, which is what he's saying. You need to be guided every single day by the Holy Spirit. So that's good news, bad news there, but every single one of us is in this fight right now, and I don't believe, as I was thinking about this, I I don't believe that any one of us in this room or anybody that's watching, I don't believe any one of us wakes up in the morning and decides to say, you know what, I just can't wait to screw up today. I just can't wait to blow it today, you know? I think we all wake up with the best of intentions to do things God's way, but then many times, here's what happens. 
we don't do it God's way. People, are you getting religious on me again? <laughs> don't go religious on me. Do you say, yes, this happens to me? Yes. And if you don't shake your head, you are a liar. The truth is not in you. Listen to what Paul is about to say. He's about to show us. And I see some of you are like this. That ain't me. I'm a Holy Spirit filled. <laughs> I am super spiritual. Oh my gosh. What is he talking about? She liked that. That was. It came out weirder than I expected it to, and she still laughed, so thank you. But seriously, there's some people sitting in here that are super religious, and I'm here to attack you tonight in all the right ways. <laughs> Jesus said it this way the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Spirit is willing to do the right things always. But our flesh, our sinful nature is what the flesh means. Our sinful nature is weak and it's always wanting to do opposite of what the Spirit's willing to do. So, Paul breaks this down for us in Romans 7. I think you guys are gonna like this. Check this out. He's talking about our sinful nature that's corrupt. He says this, verse 14, I can anticipate the response that's coming. I know all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes. I'm full of myself. Mm-hmm. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. Can anyone relate? Tell someone next to you, you can relate. So, he goes on, he says this, so... If I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. Now catch this. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't. Do it. Are we still relating to Paul, people? I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. And I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. This is the Apostle Paul talking about himself. This is crazy talk. Don't make me have your neighbor slap the religion out of you. you get... <laughs> I'll do it if I have to. Okay. This is, is he not talking about our lives? Is he not? This is to a T how we live. Here we go. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's now predictable. The moment that I do decide to do good, sin's right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. How many of you truly delight in God and in his commands? Yes, we do. If you love Jesus, all of you do. He says it, but something's, you know, uh, deep within me has gone wrong. It gets the better of me, and it's predictable, blah, blah, blah. I delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Come on, somebody. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. 
and nothing helps, I'm at the end of my rope. And I believe that there's probably some people in here that are pretty much at the end of their rope. You've tried everything. You've tried to do things God's way. Maybe you've been caught up in some sort of a sin and you just can't seem to get free of it no matter how much you go to church, no matter how many times you listen to a pastor preach, no matter how many times you get on your knees and pray, no matter what, nothing seems to change and you are at the end of your rope. I've seen way too many people come in here and leave out of here with this problem. And let me tell you something, friends, there is an answer. There is an answer and Paul's gonna give it to us and here's what he says. The answer thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He says, is there no one that can do anything for me? Jesus Christ can and does. Jesus Christ can and does help you even when you're at the end of your rope, friends, especially when you're at the end of your rope. He goes on and he says this. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and my mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. And then it goes right into chapter 8, and the first verse of chapter 8 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Listen, friends, we blow it. Paul blew it. I was, I was texting with some of our leaders here, Mike and Scott, and I, I've been talking with other people about Galatians 5. What does it mean to you to walk in the Spirit daily? What does that look like to you? And one of these things is, as I, I, I sent this particular passage of Scripture over to them, they responded and said, that is crazy. I sure want to know what the thorn in Paul's side and his flesh was. And I said, that is a great question. Wouldn't you like to know? Listen, even Paul the guy that wrote most of the New Testament struggled with the very things that we struggle with day in and day out. But he says the answer is still Jesus Christ. Even when I get it wrong, it's because he got it all right that I'm made right. <laughs> Does that make sense? So if you're at your, your wit's end, you're at the end of your rope, you feel like there is no hope. Oh, no, 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 hope came. Hope died, and he's now alive. And alive to God, he brings God down to you and places heaven inside of you. And even when you get it wrong, there's no condemnation. He says, you keep following me. Don't you forget what we talked about at the beginning of the series. Religion says, if you'll just change enough, then you can join us. Jesus says, if you'll just continue following me, you'll change in the process. Don't quit on Jesus. He'll never quit on you. A righteous person falls down seven times and seven times they get back up and they go back to Jesus and say, I blew it. Admit it, quit it, and move on. Do you hear me? Come on, give God some praise on that. That's, that's, that's a good word. Galatians, jumping back in, verse 24 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and they've crucified them there. Friends, we are living in a culture and a success, a success? Did I just say that? And this is live, people. Imagine what that would feel like. We live in a culture and a society. <laughs> Hard word to say, right? A culture and a society where they tell you this, and every single one of you have heard this, maybe you've said this to someone else. You know, those passions and desires that you have, that's just how God made you. 
No. No. And they tell you, oh, you just, you just do you, girl. <laughs> you just be you because that's how God made you. Listen to me. You do not have to allow the opinion of society and culture become your reality. You allow God's opinion of you and what he says about you become your reality. Because here's the truth. God knows you better than you know you. God wants better for you than you want for yourself. Do you hear me? Your passions and desires come from your sinful nature, not from the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's going to give you desires. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. So thank you, Paul, for that incredibly inspiring word, because that was incredible. But how in the world do we do it? Because <laughs> he doesn't really seem to go into it in detail, does he? There's no three-step process in how to follow the Holy Spirit, but this is where we need the whole counsel of the entire Bible and Scripture to, to work this one out. Amen? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for your scriptures. I just pray that you'd help me preach super good tonight so that people, your people, would be blessed and that they would draw closer and closer and closer and closer to you, Father. Help us to get this right, God, because I know that as simple as this message is going to be, it could actually change the trajectory of lives in this room. I pray that that happens tonight. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. So it was 2012, I want to say, or no, 11. 2011, I think we moved into our home, right, honey? 2011, moved into a new place in Byron Center. And uh, I remember one night, it, it, we, we'd been there for a little while, maybe just under a year or something, and I was just laying in bed at night, and, you know, I had been walking with the Lord for only three years at this point and following Christ with my life um, since May 5th of 2009. And so I'm really trying to figure out how God speaks to us, you know, and, and I've had some en encounters and experiences with the Lord and hearing his voice, and, but I really wanted to learn how to um, discern and, and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in particular. So one thing that I, that I try to do uh, daily is before I go to bed, I try to just kind of turn my attention on, on God and the things of God and reflect on the day. And in um, this one particular night, my, my wife was asleep um, and I was just laying there and I wasn't even praying. I wasn't even praying, but I had this phrase just pop into my head. And it was, keep your kids home from school tomorrow. Came out of nowhere. So I'm thinking, oh, man, that's strange. But, it, I mean, it, it popped in my head just like that, and, and it wasn't me. I could tell it wasn't me, you know. And this is, this is kind of the battle with trying to hear the voice of God and to hear the Holy Spirit. Keep your kids home from school tomorrow. So now what happens in my mind is, and depending on who you talk to, that could be the devil, right? <laughs> Keep your kids home from school. You guys know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> When you get older and have your own kids and, yeah, you feel me. So here's what's going through my mind is this. Is that God? 
why would, why would I want to keep my kids home from school? Because now here's what is going to happen. One of us is going to have to stay home, and we're going to lose out on, you know, making money to provide for the mortgage, the house, and all the other things that we're called to provide for for our family. Um, or we'd gotta, we have to get a babysitter. So now I'm thinking through all of the items that I would have to check off the list if I was to keep our kids home from school. And so now I'm, I'm tasked with, okay, do I wake Lindsay up and tell her this? I, man, I think that might be God. I, but I'm, I wasn't positive that it was God, but I was almost positive it wasn't me. <laughs> Do you guys understand the tension that takes place? I know if you've been walking with God any length of time, you, you get it wrong sometimes, and sometimes you get it right. And this was one of those times. And so I chose to not wake up my wife and tell her, and I chose to not keep the kids home from school the next day. And so wake up the next day, kids go to school, we go to work, come home, and the kids come home, and that evening, they both come down with the flu bug. I mean, where it was wiped, they wiped them out for days. And as soon as that happened, I remembered thinking, keep your kids home. And then it was like as if God spoke to my heart and just said, I tried to tell you. Which I wasn't, I didn't feel like. Dang it. I mean, I felt bad for the kids, but at the same time, I was like, man, that is awesome. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Did God really try to help me? Like, that's wild. You know, in, the, in your pursuit of God and trying to hear the voice of God, these things are going to happen, and then you have to discern. So these are the three things that are going to happen tonight that I'm going to break down. You first have to hear. So if, in order to be led by the Holy Spirit, we first have to hear God. Then we have to discern whether it's God or us. And then the third option, which I believe is the most important, because I think the first two are actually the easiest of the three. The third one is obedience. And that's where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. So here's the first one. Hear. We have to hear God. And after love, and you all feel me on this, after love... I believe that communication is probably the single greatest component of any relationship. God wants to speak to us, and how do I know that God wants to speak to us? Because any good father would want to speak to their children. It's pretty simple. In order to hear God, though, people, we have to, pos we have to position ourselves to listen. <laughs> this is the key. Because the way that we live our lives and in the culture that we live in, you have so many different voices and I have so many different voices vying for my time. And how many of you in this room would just be honest and say that you've gone through an entire day just in the last week without even connecting with God and trying to listen to God? Raise your hands. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole room except religious people. I'm going to beat it up tonight, <laughs> beat it into the ground, you know. Um, but it's true. We are busy, friends. We are busy. So if we're not positioning ourselves intentionally to, to listen, listen, you can't hear 
if you don't listen, and you can never obey what you don't hear. Does that make sense? So how does God speak? Number one way that I believe he speaks is scripture. At our access team meeting on Tuesday, I brought this, this item up. I said, what does it look like for you guys to practically live out this being led and following the guidance of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis? And you wanna know what the one common denominator was? Is that the more we all read and get to know scripture and the person of Jesus Christ as seen in scripture, the easier it is for every single one of us to understand God's will for our life, but not only his will, his voice in our lives when he speaks to us. So scripture, another one is this, pastors, preachers, and teachers. Now listen to me, when pastors, preachers, and teachers are following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you hear from God. It amazes me. It absolutely astonishes me that I can hear from one person one week, oh, man, it's just, uh, things, you know, man, it's just dry. It's just dry, you know. And I'll hear five minutes later from someone else who had a radical, life-changing encounter with God after the preaching of and proclamation of the word of God. Every single week, I hear about it, friends. People's lives being changed, people choosing to follow Jesus Christ. So what is it? What is it? Maybe your dryness has nothing to do with church. Words spoken by others. In other words, prophetic words, okay? Prophetic words get given by other people, so the Holy Spirit will speak through people. And then dreams and visions, And then God can speak audibly. I do know people that have heard the audible voice of God and uh, were pretty terrified when they did. (laughs) So be careful what you wish for, right? So these are some of the ways that God speaks to us, but we're specifically talking about how the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. So I wanted to break it down, and I believe that these are the three most common ways that the Holy Spirit leads us. Number one is words. Here's what I believe. I believe every word in Scripture, and this is what we believe uh, as Christians, every word in Scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it this way. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Now, friends, I, a while back, I think it was during our, uh, our dating and, and, and marriage series that we did, I, I asked a question, and I said, would you just do me a favor and please shoot your hands up if you've never been taught how to read your Bible? And you don't have to do that tonight. But the, the response and the amount of hands that went up to me was alarming, and I said, I'm going to do something about that from stage. I didn't forget about it. I want you to know that I'm working on something to, uh, to have some sort of a how to read through your Bible, how to read scripture, uh, whether it's gonna be something that, that I teach and maybe bring in a couple other people to teach with me before services on Thursday nights at some point in the near future because I want you guys to fall in love with scripture <laughs> because all of scripture is God-breathed and it's all good and it all wants to point us into the right direction. But we have to know how to read scripture and how to let scripture read us. Is that good? 
So stay tuned for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put something together for you guys and I believe that you're gonna fall in love with God even more through his word. So Ephesians 6 says this, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the Holy Spirit wants to use the word of God to teach us, to train us, and to do the right things. But then sometimes, you know, here's what could happen sometimes. Like when I was laying in my bed, it could just be a phrase that pops in your mind. Keep your kids home from school tomorrow. How does that line up with scripture? I don't know. But we're going to get to how we discern whether it's God or not in, in number two. Stay tuned for that. So the Holy Spirit, though, I want you to know this, is not confined to only speaking to us through the Bible. Say yes, okay? He's not only confined to speaking to us through the Bible, but everything that he does say to you should line up with what the Bible says, okay? So words that come to mind, uh, that's gonna happen sometimes. Sometimes people get pictures. I don't get a lot of pictures, but I know people who get pictures, and then all of a sudden they have a, a full sermon from a picture that they got in their head. I'm like, what? How did that happen? I don't know, but the Holy Spirit can do it. So, Second thing is this, impressions. Now, this is something like you get an impression or you get a sense internally that you just can't explain, but you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know something isn't right or something is right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. It's talking about discerning right from wrong. So a couple years ago, we're on our way out to Myrtle Beach for, for spring break, Lindsay and I and, and the kiddos. And what we do is we'll drive eight hours and eight hours gets us into West Virginia. So we drove into West Virginia. We pulled into a Red Roof Inn, which we stayed in the year before. And as soon as we got into this hotel, here's what happened. I just had this we, we checked in, got into the room, closed the door, locked and bolted everything. And as soon as we got in the room, she's exhausted, tired. The kids are exhausted, tired. They're about to sleep. I had, like my skin was just crawling. Something was not right. And I couldn't explain it. And so next thing I know, I'm going over to the shades. I'm getting all, par I mean, I'm like looking outside and I'm, I'm literally about to take this big heavy safe and push it in front of the door. Something wasn't right. And I have no clue what it was, but I looked at Lindsay and I said, honey, get the kids. We need to pack our things back up. We're going back down and we're checking out of this hotel right now. Something ain't right. Something is not right with this place. And she says, okay, I trust you. I believe you. And I still to this day have no idea what it was, but here's what happened. We left that place, went back down, checked out. They're like, oh, what, do you want a discount? You know, what can we do for you? I said, no, 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 we are leaving this place, ma'am. I am so sorry, but we could, could we get a refund? They refunded us. And we drove 100 miles at midnight to get to another hotel, which we stayed in. And as soon as we walked into that hotel, all of a sudden I have this overwhelming sense of peace. And I can't explain it, but I knew that I knew that I knew something wasn't right. And that time I obeyed. So you get these feelings, these impressions, and you and I as followers of Jesus Christ and Christians are supposed to train our senses to discern the difference between good and evil. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you out in that because, again, keep your kids home from school. He didn't want them to get sick. Come on, that's a good father. 
Is it not? The third thing is this. I mentioned it. Peace. It's super simple. But Colossians 3.15 says it this way. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. In the Greek, that word rule actually means to be your umpire. Like a baseball umpire. To umpire every decision that you make. Let the peace that comes from Christ be your umpire in your decision making. Do you know how many decisions that you guys make in a day? A lot. And I think that God is very okay. Do you know what I just thought about when I said a lot? I like it a lot. <laughs> so I think that God, <laughs> I digress, I'm sorry. I think that God, though, is very much okay with helping us in decision-making in the minor things as well as the major things. I just think we only include him in the major things and forget about the minor things. Now, listen to me. I'm not talking about whether or not you should have a, a turkey and cheese or a peanut butter and jelly, okay? I don't think you need to talk to God about that, and you know, McDonald's or Arby's. I mean, clearly, it's more godly to go to Arby's. That doesn't even, that's like... <laughs> that goes without being said, friends. I actually had, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Arby's is way more godly than McDonald's. So, and I may just stop home on my way home and get some Arby's tonight because I have coupons that I put in my car before I came here for Arby's. So I might just do the two for five chicken. I don't know. We'll see when I get there. Beef and cheddar, maybe, maybe. Curly fries, yep, it's happening. Mott sticks, yeah, uh-huh. Come on, Mike. Arby's is way better. You know it. Don't look at me like that. But he wants to be involved in our decision-making. I believe that's in the minor things. I believe it's in the major things as well. So follow the peace of God that comes from Christ. Let it rule in your heart. So the second thing that we need to do after we've heard God is this. We talked about it. We need to discern. So how do you discern whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's you or your own passions and desires, i.e., your sinful nature? Galatians 5, Paul's going to give us the answer. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> Which I'm going to try to exude some self-control when I pull into Arby's tonight. Because it is a fruit of the Spirit of God. You know, I'm telling the truth. Whatever, you religious people. <laughs> you know I love you, and I'm kidding. Partly. But I do believe that God's honored when we, when we include him in both the major. But listen to those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's the thing. How do you discern when you have positioned yourself to listen, you've heard something from what you believe could be God, how do you discern whether it's God or whether it's you, your passions, your desires, or your sinful name? Here it is. Does it bring and does it produce or will it produce in you if you obeyed what you heard, will it produce in you those items, love, joy, Remember, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If it does, there's a good chance that it's God. And that's what Paul's saying. It's really simple. Super simple. So, third thing we need to do to be led by the Spirit of God, again, is this. We need to obey God. We need to follow his lead in other words, we need to just do it. Friends, there's a story in, in the Bible, and many of you have heard of it. What, do you guys know what the first miracle in the Bible was? Jesus' first miracle? What was it? Turned water into wine, right? They ran out of wine at this wedding. These people came up, and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do we do? What do we do? And Mary, the mother of Jesus, said something that is so absolutely exceptional. It's the best advice I think that the Bible has ever given, and it's simple. She looks at him and says... Just do whatever he says. <laughs> Points to Jesus. Just do whatever he tells you to do. Do you hear what I just said? Just do it. That's, you know, she gave Nike their slogan. <laughs> Marry the mother of Jesus. But I'm telling you, that's the best advice that I can give you as a pastor. <laughs> do whatever God tells you to do. Be ready to say yes. And you want to know how you attract the voice of God to speak into your life more? And this is scriptural. I don't have time to break it down for you tonight. But get before God, position yourself to listen, to hear, and just let God know every day, God, whatever you want me to do, my answer is yes, right now. And you will attract God's voice to speak into your lives. Because you prepared yourself to do what? Say yes, to follow, to obey. Now, Matthew 7 says, Jesus says this about this, uh, this topic. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, that was weak. We're gonna do that again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is wise. So it had to have been 2011, a couple months after we moved into the house, I was working in the medical device field and I was at a surgery center over in Byron Center, actually just down the road. And I was there for some surgeries and I had to do some follow-up cold calls and, and on some surgeons and I had to stay there for a little while. And, and here's what had been going on for the days that uh, ensued up to this day is our kids got uh, sick and my daughter specifically, um, this is a different sickness than, you know, different time. Uh, this isn't the same story. But my daughter got so sick with the flu that um, she was literally throwing up and it was coming out of the other end. I mean, she was so dehydrated and she's uh, a child with special needs and she's got a heart defect. And so when she goes down, she goes down hard. And she ended up in the hospital for a few days and, and, and she was, um, you know, on the IVs and all of that to keep her hydrated. And, and, uh, and so we had just gotten her out of the hospital. I mean, we've been praying through this thing. You're like, God, just heal her, you know, and we just want our baby to come home. And so finally, we get her to come home, and we had to continue to go back to work. So my wife and I are at work, and I'm at this surgery center, and my grandparents were watching our kids that day, uh, and, and she got a call from my grandma, 
saying, you know, oh, Riley's not doing good. She's going back down. She's tanking again, and her eyes are rolling in the back of her head. All I can see is whites, and she's, like, unresponsive and this and that. And, and so Lindsay quick calls me. She gets a hold of me and tells me what's going on. And here's what I got off the phone, and I just took a moment, and here's what I felt the impression to do, and this, these are words that came into my, into my mind or into, into my heart. You've heard it said many ways, but it came into my mind. Go get your daughter and lay hands on her and command it to get better. So, friends, the discerning process in that is pretty easy. <laughs> I don't think that the enemy of your soul is going to tell you to go and try to heal somebody, okay, especially your own daughter, Okay. Uh, and so I, I made the decision to leave work because I was just going to obey. So I left work, dropped everything I was doing. I called my wife. I said, listen, honey, I need you to be praying right now at, the, at, at, at work. Just be praying that when I lay hands on her, that God is going to heal her completely, and she's never going to have to deal with this again. She's not going back to the hospital. We are not dealing with doctors this time. That is over. So I said, honey, start praying right now. So she starts praying. She's interceding at the office. And so then I'm on the, on the way to my grandparents' house, and you would have thought that I was a fool in my car because, I mean, I was just telling the devil everything that was about to happen. You ever done that? Yeah, you ever kind of get to the end of your rope and you're like, devil, listen, here's what's about to happen. I'm gonna go get my kid. I'm gonna go take her to the house. And here's what, when I lay my hands on her, I believe that God's gonna heal her because I believe that Jesus purchased healing in the atonement. So this is what's gonna happen, right? So I go get my daughter. I pick up her and my son. I didn't even talk to my grandparents, I, that, which is, you know, I wasn't real nice when I walked in. I said, give me my kids right now. We're leaving. She goes, oh, no, she's, she, we got to get her. I said, nope, she is not going back to the doctor. It ain't happening. Give me my kids. I put them in the car, said, thank you for watching them. Deuces. I'm out. Peace. I went back to my house, I, and I started prepping my son, who was five, four or five years old at the time. I said, Listen, when we get home, here's what's going to happen. We're going to lay our hands on her, you and me, and we are going to command that she gets better, and she's going to get better in Jesus' name. He's like, okay, Daddy, okay. So we get home, get him out of the car, put her in uh, on the couch, and I said to, to Brennan, I said, listen, it's going down right now. Here's what we're going to lay our hands on her right now, and we're going to command that she gets better, all better in Jesus' name. And, and so I started to go down to, to, to put my hands on her, and my son, five years old, says, Daddy, you can't heal her. Only Jesus can. I said, you know that's right, son, but let's do that because he's about to do it through us right now, right? And so we laid hands on her, commanded her to get better. We just prayed a simple prayer. He said something like, Jesus, I just pray that my sister gets all better in Jesus' name. It's just something so simple. And I was commanding. <laughs> you know, I, was, I wasn't being simplistic. I was being all extra religious, you know, which didn't help. But God's grace Amen. is beyond human comprehension. Within 10 minutes... She was completely healed, Hallelujah. running around, running around outside. No more sickness, no more fever, no more nothing. I called up my wife. We were walking around. She says, what's going on? I said, oh, girl, we're just walking around. 
We're just walking around, and she's fine. How's she doing? Oh, she is completely herself again. It was awesome. But listen to me. God does that through us. But he also does it for us because he's a good daddy. But listen, I heard something. I discerned something. And I obeyed something. And God blessed it. Jesus is very clear that you will be blessed. You're not blessed by what you hear. You'll be blessed in what you do. He's very clear at the end of the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, thanks for showing up. Glad you heard this. I'm glad you heard this message. But I'm telling you, this message in itself does not have the power to change your life. Let's play a little game tonight where every single one of our lives can change for the better. Listen, this, is a, the, 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 this game of life is a game of chess. And the game of chess ends by getting a king in what is called checkmate. I can show you how many moves to checkmate. One, the Holy Spirit. You can checkmate your sinful nature anytime you want. All you gotta do is hear, discern, and obey. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message from Kurt Ains this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.